everyone, it's Gloria, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Independent. Today, I'm joined by my friends Patrick and Alex, and we will be talking about the FIRE movement, also known as the Financial Independence Retire Early Movement, what it is, how you can achieve it, and we also get a bit into how to talk about money with your partner. Hope you enjoy! Today, I am here with my friends Patrick and Alex. Hello, welcome to the show. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves? I'm 27. I currently work at a company called WebHelp. Pretty cool, actually. They're based out of Europe. So I'm like one of two employees in Canada currently. That is pretty cool. Alex, what about you? I am 24 years old. I work at Amazon Web Services as an associate account exec. Awesome. And what is your relationship with money? Alex, you can continue. My relationship is getting better. (laughs) It's definitely not a topic that came up at the dinner table with like my family. So I think that's the difference between Patrick and I, where for me, like I kind of learned as I grew older with like my own experiences. And then also obviously meeting Patrick, that's where I kind of learned a lot more in terms of how to manage my money and how to sometimes budget. We don't exactly budget, but kind of budget. So yeah, I would say my relationship with money is getting better, but just like a few years back, I I would never say it was like the greatest. Patrick, what about you? To Alex's point, I mean, money was a pretty open conversation at the dinner table and actually like throughout the days, ever since I can remember, like dad would always talk about his work or his business. And so like the topic of money just naturally came through as well. As a family, I think we have very open conversations about it. There's nothing really kind of secretive. Like at at one point, I think my mom makes this joke. She's like, oh, you don't need to tell me, but like, I know how much money you have saved. She'll throw out a number. And in my head, I'm, she's like, look, I'm probably not 100% correct, but I'm probably within like 90%. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, she is correct. <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh, I don't know if it's like a good thing or a bad thing, but, and even, even with Alex and I, this might tie into sort of our relationship as a couple, but I don't know how many months in we, I think maybe three or four months in, we, we opened a joint bank account. Really? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it yeah, got yeah. serious real fast. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, opening up a joint bank account doesn't cost anything. Basically, we used it more as a as a tool to, like, help budget our spending. Because Patrick doesn't budget, so yeah. we needed a way to budget otherwise. <laughs> to give you some context, I think in, like, our first two months, we were just, like, going out to drink, going out to eat, whatever. And after a while, it's like, yo, Alex, I don't know how sustainable this is. Why don't we try opening up a bank account? We'll, like, jointly put money into it. And it'll be like our piggy bank to go and like spend money on like meals and entertainment. Oh, so you opened up a bank account as like your dating fund, basically. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. That's such a good idea. Obviously, like when people hear like joint bank account, they're like, oh my goodness. Like Like you're buying a house together. Yeah, you're buying a house. You're putting all your funds. It's like, no, like just put in whatever amount you think is reasonable. You can decide the ratio or the mix, right? So. That's a really handy tool. I had never thought about that. And that's that's a really good idea. So you kind of already answered this question. Neither of you really budget. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Okay, Patrick definitely doesn't budget. <laughs> okay, rude. No need to put my spending on blast in this like episode here. <laughs> I mean, I think Alex's point, like 
we track our expenses. For me personally, I I track it down to like the penny. I think that's just like a I'm very like religious about tracking my spending to a degree. But when it comes to budgeting, I think it's more of a, a behavioral thing or like not tied to, um, I guess, like upcoming expenses, just because like in any given month, I have these anomalies is what I call it as I budget. <laughs> and then naturally my budget goes out the door. And so naturally, I just try to track my spending and change my behavior and my purchasing on the way. Has that worked out for you? I mean, you know what? Alex can answer that. <laughs> Has it worked out for you? I I guess. Between Patrick and I, I feel like we're both pretty numbers-oriented people. So naturally, like, as we're managing our expenses, we know, like, the money coming in and out. It's more so about, like, the behavior of living within or, like, below your means. Naturally, I guess you are budgeting. You know how much money is coming in. So then, like, you will spend a certain amount and then you won't exceed that, right? Whereas, like, you know, sometimes people might... Yeah, so you do budget in a sense. The most important part of budgeting is tracking your expenses and knowing where your money goes, right? So beyond that, you try to live within your means. Yeah, that's fair. So today's topic is very exciting. (laughs) We're going to be talking about FIRE, which stands for... Financial Independence Retire Early. Yes. FIRE movement or financial independence retire early has gained popularity in pretty recent years with Mr. Money Mustache having that really successful blog and then Reddit communities that talk about trying to retire early. But I just want to take a step back and say that retirement isn't exactly 65 or whatever age, but it's just that point in time where you are able to have enough money to sustain yourself without working. This can be any age. And what the financial independence movement is, is trying to reach that age in a shorter amount of time than when you're 60 or 65. A lot of these people are trying to achieve the dollar amount that they need to retire in their 30s or 40s. Typically, that means that they're saving 50 to 75% of their paycheck every two weeks or every month, whatever. Then they invest their savings into index funds or ETFs, and then they use that to grow their investments over their time horizon. And then when they reach FIRE, they reach their retirement dollar amount. They basically live on withdrawing 4% of their savings or investments every single year until they die. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on the financial independence movement? For Alex and I, we, we talk a lot about it. So we've sort of, I guess, like changed the whole concept of like fire into just financial independence. Going back to, I think, just growing up, I think money is a really big thing in life because it pretty much facilitates pretty much your lifestyle. And so I think thinking about like why it's important, I would say to us, it's more so just about creating options, right? So it's not really tied around retirement, but it's more so to say, hey, like if we want a certain lifestyle, how can we do that with the least resistance? Meaning, I don't want to be, you know, 45, 50, 60, whatever age and be super stressed out about money if it means like sacrificing in the early stages of my life. 
So that's the way I see it. At least it's not necessarily to like stop working or anything. Like we talked about it very openly. Like one hundred percent, given our personalities, we would still be working even after we hit like a sustainable like asset base. Let's call it. It will mean like you know we'll be like less stressed about it for sure. No, absolutely. I think a really good way to think about it is living a work optional life. So you can work if you want to, and if you don't want to, then that's fine too. It's yeah, exactly like you said, not having to stress about money. I think is the main thing because money is probably one of the main things that people in this world are stressed about, and it's not a good feeling. Yeah, for sure. Like the way I see it is like. Even once you achieve, let's say, your asset base, and like this is something Alex and I talk about very openly, it becomes okay. We can technically, at that point in time, almost live like paycheck to paycheck with our salaries, let's say, but we'll have an asset base growing as a safety net. So that's kind of the intent, and I think the at least the high level of what we're trying to achieve. So, how did you come across this movement, and what interested you initially about it? I think my, in my first year of working, I, I just quickly realized I was like, "Whoa, like I'm really working for money." I think I just searched online. I, I can't remember exactly what I was searching now because it was so long ago. But it was pretty much like, "Oh, like how do I achieve financial freedom or something along those lines?" And this whole movement came up. And then at first, I thought it was like really good for me. But then eventually, I hit a point where I think it was actually kind of toxic. In a way, because like I was questioning all my purchasing decisions, and that was the problem with it. a lot of people who go through this are exposed to this. They they pretty much like turn their lifestyle upside down, save like every single penny, and like going back to Alex's point, like it's not really who I am. Like I I track my expenses. I don't budget. So like to to suddenly like try to cut everything from my lifestyle was like extremely difficult. Yeah, for sure. At a certain point, when you're saving over fifty percent of your income, it definitely makes it more difficult to live your best life right now. And at some point, you need to decide whether it's worth it to delay the gratification and make some hard choices with regard to where you want to allocate your money.、Yeah. If it's negatively affecting your quality of life, you need to take a step back and decide whether it's really worth it to continue down this path, or if you can make some changes and still be able to enjoy your life. And this is where Alex keeps me in check. She's like, "Well, don't like go overboard with it. Right? There's no need. To, I don't know. Save ten dollars off a fifteen dollar meal." Just for the sake of saving, maybe ten dollars, even though you might not be super satisfied at the end. So I think it's knowing your your expense line item, and then just working your way backwards. So if your expenses are forty k or fifty k or eighty k or a hundred k, well then you have to work backwards from that and like do twenty five x or whatever number that is. Yeah, my five story is similar. I think I came across the Fican or one of those Reddit communities, and then found out about Mister Money Mustache from there. And then I also read Millionaire Teacher, and I was like, "Wow, anyone can be a millionaire." It's a really good book. I'll link it in the show notes in case anyone's interested. It's a really good book about the basics of index investing, and I thought it was so helpful. And after that, I started investing, and here I am now.、Um, 
I would definitely say similar to you, there are months where my investment percentage is lower, but I do try to automate a certain amount and when I can, I'll put more in. Yeah, work optional life sounds pretty awesome to me because I feel like I have a lot of hobbies that I would want to take a deeper dive into and I don't really have that much time when I'm working, like nine to five at least, you know? Alex, what about you? What's your fire story? How did you come across the movement? I think it was Patrick. True. (laughs) To put it simply, I honestly think it was Patrick. When we first started dating and then started openly talking about money, Patrick had like these like stages (laughs) where at first he would be like, maybe I want to be like really frugal. So then like maybe he needs to save like X amount of his like paycheck or whatever. And then he would later be like, oh, like maybe I'm just not the frugal type. So then like, what do I need to do? And then, yeah, so, like, he would go through these, like, series of phases, and then, like, I would kind of go through it with him. So then I think naturally I was then introduced to the um, concept, like, through him. Mm -hmm. And so what interested you about the FIRE movement? I think it's just the idea of building out a lifestyle so that you can achieve, like, a strong foundation financially so that really you don't have to worry about it in the long term. Because... Like money is, as much as it wasn't really like an ongoing topic at the dinner table, like when it does come up, like it wasn't a pleasant topic to talk about. Not that we weren't transparent about it, but just that it wasn't a, you know, a super exciting, positive topic to necessarily talk about. Hence, as I was getting older, and I guess like as like Patrick kind of exposed me to these topics, naturally, like I wanted to be able to change my behavior on a day-to-day so that I can understand the numbers so that I can then build out that strong foundation. Yeah, so not necessarily of retiring early per se, but having the option to retire if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you're both pretty aligned on this and you're both on the same page with regards to dealing with your money, which is a really good thing. Yeah. Gloria, I kid you not, on a daily basis, it like comes up, not the exact fire thing, but like the topic of money that's come up like regularly, like daily for us. And it's not a weird or awkward conversation at all? Not at all. I think at first, maybe it was like different. Let's call it different. But I think it's just a matter of like being super, I think it's one being upfront about it and then to just explaining your thought process right so it's not like you're trying to judge the other person but it's more so like hey look this is an important topic rather than pushing it aside like this is why I want to bring it up and then just being upfront about it if the other person's not ready to talk about it, it's fine obviously but at least they know it's like top of mind yeah what do you think are some common misconceptions about reaching Vi? I think one is when people think, oh, I don't make enough to be able to achieve it. So, I mean, I I guess you can't speak for everyone, but I do think it's really about living within or below your means. I mean, as a girl, when you look on social media, there are all these things that you kind of want to like keep up on and like, like everyone travels or like goes to, I don't know, places to eat and drink. Sometimes you'll feel like you need to kind of keep up a society. And I think a lot of those things kind of influence how much do you or can you really save and then how much do you spend on things that you really need versus what you want 
if you can kind of keep that in control, I don't see as to why like you wouldn't be able to control your expenses versus how much you make and to then be able to reach that goal. Mm -hmm. Do you have any strategies to keep you from falling into the trap of comparing yourself to other people that you have on social media or in your circle? Because it is all around us. I don't know how we can avoid it aside from deleting all of our socials. Although one thing that I found helps me is that I've just turned off notifications. So I don't really check my phone as much. I don't have specific strategies per se, but I mean, like for one, like Patrick and I don't travel. (laughs) So that's, that's like, (laughs) so that's like one thing that I think is a lot easier for you to save at least a certain amount because like a lot of people do really like to travel but for us it's not really a priority of ours at least not right now so like that's one thing where we can kind of save instead of go spend money on leisure and then personally when it comes to like shopping or like going out with friends and going out to eat and all of that like I do still do it but I think everything needs to happen in moderation so it's about like how do you go and align your priorities of what matters sometimes Patrick will say like oh let's not like let's not go here and like let's just like eat at home for example right sometimes yeah like it, it is a better choice for us to stay indoors and for us to not go out to a restaurant and spend a bill for the for the night right but like sometimes I also think it's good for you guys to go out and have that quality time and and like not have to be indoors um so yeah I think all of that is is just how you kind of do it in moderation and and sorry it's, it's not just Patrick telling me to do this it's just the conversations that we have or the type of conversations that we have because I feel like sometimes Patrick will say like hey like let's save here um and sometimes it's it's kind of like I will I feel like I will give him the reminder to be like, hey, like everything kind of needs to be done in moderation. It's not necessarily one way or the other because Patrick can sometimes have extremes on either ends. Yeah, definitely. I think moderation is key. So let's go over a real life example of how to reach fire, like with numbers. So for example, let's take a person. What should we call this person? Henry. Henry. Okay. So Henry is 25 years old, earns $60,000 a year living in Ontario, and has annual expenses of about 36 k So that's about a 40% savings rate. Let's assume that they have a 1% income increase every year and that their portfolio that they're investing in is 80% stocks, 10% bonds, and 10% is kept in cash for emergency funds or whatnot. And we will assume that the amount needed annually in retirement is 40K because there might be unexpected medical expenses or things that your employer would have covered, but now you're not working. So you would have to pay those things out of pocket. The average tax rate in Ontario and Canada federally for 2019 was 19%. So I think for Canadians, reaching FI is a little bit more difficult than Americans who pay a lower tax rate, but let's just take that into account. That means there will be about 11K in taxes, leaving Henry with 49K after tax, which I mean, when you think about it, like if you're earning 60K, you're not, you're earning 49K. 
But an easy way to reduce this is to contribute to an RSP, as I talked about with Lucy in season one, episode six. And so if we use the assumption of 7% returns on stocks and 2% returns on bonds, then Henry will need to continue this lifestyle of 40% savings rate for 21 years to be able to retire at 46 years old, which is still, I mean, better than 65, right? And what's interesting is just the incremental change that will change the year that you could retire at. So for example, if you spent 40K annually instead of 36, Henry would have to retire at 48 instead of 46 years old, which is two years, but it's it seems like a lot. And so you can calculate this yourself or you can find a calculator online and I will link one in the show notes. So have you done this calculation yourself? To a degree, we've played with numbers. So we, I think we assume only 5% on the stocks just to be conservative. I know 7% in the historical average. Like on the savings rate, it's just super tough because there could be anomalies. We, we try to hit ourselves with being conservative around other assumptions, knowing that our savings rate may fluctuate plus or minus, I don't know, 5 to 10K potentially or more. I don't know. But I think also having an like annual savings rate is extremely tough to follow. So just being super pragmatic and knowing where your money is going, you then need to adjust accordingly year over year. In principle, yes, this is nice. You know, 21 years, 7%, 36K. But in any given year, you might start going like 50K of spending or potentially lower 30K of spending. So just not losing sleep over the fact that you're savings rate may fluctuate or be volatile to a degree. I think at the same time, though, it's very possible to keep your savings rate within like a certain range that you can do like a sensitivity analysis or something on and then just try to like keep it in that range to be able to achieve that like yearly goal. It comes down to trade-offs, right? Just like, oh, well, this expense is not right. It'll keep you within that range for example. Yeah. And I guess it goes back to the increasing your income and decreasing your expenses, right? Because it's not just about saving. Like it's also about trying to get a higher salary or like do those side hustles to make that extra money. I was reading this article about how a lot of, I guess, fire enthusiasts talk about how if you didn't spend money on going to Starbucks every single day, you would be saving, what is it, like $5, $25 a week? It's like $5 a coffee times five. And then that annualized is how much? $1,800. It's crazy to me. But what this person was saying was that it might give you like that extra boost of happiness, right? Because people like that experience. And so if you deprived yourself of that, like, would that decrease your happiness? Like maybe. So would it be easier to go and try to make an extra $1,800 a year so that you can have this habit? Like that's, that's the thinking. 100%. I think it would. I think it boils down to like knowing yourself really well. If you buy coffee and it makes you super happy and you're able to live a better life, then it's definitely worth it. But if you can't say that with it's a conviction, then just reassess. I think it goes back to Alex's example of eating out or eating at home. There's going to be moments where maybe I'll push for the eating at home and she'll kind of jump in and say, hey, like, I think we should go eat out. And it's like, oh, 
well, if she's speaking up about it, it's probably affecting her happiness at this point. So, uh, so let's go off. <laughs> I'm not going to like risk her happiness over I don't know, a meal that's even like a hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's all about finding that moderation, right? Honestly, it's about finding the right person. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent pushing for that. Yeah. Finding someone who's really aligned and like you're both on the same page when you meet and you don't have to change that person yeah. to be on the same page. Agreed. So what are the key takeaways that you would like to leave our listeners with? One would be don't get caught up in what others say or do on social media or just even around like your circle, because oftentimes that kind of, I think, influences your thoughts and what to do and what not to do. And so I think that leads to the other, which is make sure you are aligned on what your priorities are, you know, whether that's money, relationships, family. And I think it all kind of like feeds into how you then build your relationship with money. So yeah, I would say those are probably my two key takeaways. Mine would be have very transparent conversations about money if you're in a relationship with someone, but also understand that everybody moves at a different pace. So be open-minded to like your partner and maybe what they're going through. Um, And then I think number two is Honestly, just spend if you want to spend. <laughs> I know it's like a, I know it's like a budget. No, I mean like, you know what? Like, be responsible with your spending, but like, know yourself well enough that like, honestly, if there's anomalies, just let it be. Yeah, and that's the thing that I want to also drive home. Personal finance is personal, right? It's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. If Phi is your goal, you reach that goal, do what you got to do to reach that goal. If it's not, that's perfectly fine. You'll retire eventually. I think another key takeaway for me is definitely be tracking your expenses. Maybe you don't need to necessarily track it down to the penny, but just know where your money goes. Not a jab at Patrick. (laughs) I like it, but okay. (laughs) Well, Patrick and Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been real. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you. It was so fun. (laughs) As the aspiring Miss Independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.